And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Good morning. All right. So I got a message right when we started the show saying, eh, okay. Can you give us some hope? <laughs> yes, here's some hope, by the way, for those who uh, support a former president, Donald Trump, is that on his next indictment, he gets it free because his discount card only needs one more punch in it. If he gets one more indictment, he gets he gets it for free. Uh, uh, I brought up a couple of things earlier in the show about the things that, you know, should make you uh, uh, hopeful. And this sort of relates to uh, the topic we were talking about yesterday about the federal government Mm -hmm. saying if you're a school, elementary or secondary school, that has uh, archery, you know, any type of archery program or any type of hunting safety program, you won't receive federal funds anymore. Right. And as we stated yesterday, that's the problem with the federal government being involved in education. And earlier in the show, we had mentioned the late economist Milton Friedman and it was his birthday the other day. And when I put it in it, I came up, there was a bunch of articles. I couldn't believe the number of articles that were celebrating his 111th birthday. He died back. I believe he died back in 2006, but I saw this article and it relates to what we were talking about yesterday. And it's interesting because they brought up statistics that I didn't know. And they start out. uh, And this was uh, the, let me see. The foundation for what is it? Uh, economic. Uh, oh, I forgot what the name of the group is. Uh, but uh, Kerry McDonald uh, wrote it. Uh, I think Milton Friedman would be happy today, according to recent data from Education Choice, the organization formerly known as the Friedman Foundation for Education Choice, that he, uh, Milton Friedman, and his economist wife founded in 1996. Roughly 18 million U.S. students, or now 37% of the K-12 through population, have or will soon have access to private school options in their state. Hmm. That means that these students are able to use a portion 
of state education funding toward a private education option of their choice, including tuition at a private school and in some states in a broader array of learning options, including micro schools, learning pods, homeschooling programs, tutoring and educational tools and therapies. Eight states, including Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Iowa, Ohio, Oklahoma, Utah, and West Virginia now enable every K-12 through student to access these dollars if they choose, with six of those states enacting these universal education choice policies just this year. The idea of separating government provision of education from taxpayer funding of education through school choice mechanisms like vouchers was popularized excuse me, by Friedman in his 1955 paper, The Role of Government in Education. In it, he explained the benefits of moving away from government-run education and toward uh, government-funded education using vouchers. Friedman concluded the results of these measures would be a sizable reduction in the direct activities of the government yet a great widening in the educational opportunities open to our children. They would bring a healthy increase in the variety of educational institutions available and in competition among them. Private initiative and enterprise would quicken the pace of progress in this area as it has in so many uh, areas. Uh, Friedman and his wife recognized that decentralizing education funding wasn't enough. That means just getting rid of the Department of Education, having the federal government out of it, and just states do it wasn't enough. They saw school choice mechanisms, even in states, if federal government didn't exist, as an important first step towards loosening the government's grip on education, Uh, but not a final one. In their popular 1980 book, Free to Choose, a Freedman's wrote, we regard the voucher plan as a partial solution because It affects neither the financing of schooling nor the compulsory attendance laws. We favor going much further. But the whole point is this is a start that they might not be expected got to the point of 37% 37 of students having the ability to do it. When you see, as we brought up yesterday, what's going on from the federal government, Hmm. when you see what's going on, when you see, you know, sorry, you fund archery, you fund hunting safety classes, you're done. Over a million students are involved in those programs. Yeah. 1.8 in archery alone. And it's like, nope, nope. That We view those things as bad. Those are bad things. Mm-hmm. And the government wants, and we had talked about this earlier, about children today and the indoctrination of children, not giving them the ability to become critical thinkers but telling them what to think of delusional and untrue ideas at a very, very young age. And negative ideas. You can't yeah. make it. You're yep. a victim. And You're making an oppressor. sure they have none of the tools along the way, that yep. they don't know how to develop the skills and critical thinking necessary for life. And the other thing is, if you're talking about just the, the general umbrella of why there should be hope, there should be hope. If you're looking for hope, I'm I'm that's not something I contemplate much. I I guess when when you're when you're in the I don't want to make this <laughs> when in you're the in the sunset of your life. Well, no, no. When you're oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't going there. I'm Sorry. Gonna, I was going to say when when you're in the when, when you're in the trenches of the arena of ideas. Oh, 
Sorry. I misread that one. <laughs> yeah, you did. You, you sure mean, did. <laughs> the sunset. Riding, <laughs> riding off into the sunset. As I ride I don't, off I don't into look, the sunset. I don't look for hope. I don't contemplate <laughs> hope. I don't look <laughs> when right. I'm old. Yeah. yeah. I don't have, I don't, I don't think much about hope. I'm at death's door. There's, there's no hope. There's no hope. What hope? I hope it's over soon. Yeah, I, I didn't like I was watching something on YouTube yesterday. And they were talking to some football player who was like 30 years old. He goes, well, I know the end uh, is closer than the beginning. I'm like, you're 30, you're 30 years old. Oh, you're talking in football context. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> That's not as big of a worry as I have. Right. Uh, no. That's true. Well, look, come on. I, uh, dad's 97. Yeah. I can hit that. Sure. And I'll be on the air until I'm 96. Right. <laughs> uh, no. And then, and then you'll be suspended. <laughs> We're taking him off the air because of his age. No, because of something he said, it was really mean. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone from a passionate, uh, but very personable talk show host into a mean very old man he's not angry he's mean <laughs> he's biden like yeah <laughs> today gary mcnamara was suspended he's 96 years old has been a talk radio host for 75 years he would not recognize his seventh great great grandchild one witness said, I knew it was over when he screamed, death to America. <laughs> <laughs> and now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find Great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> no the the reason that i the reason i do have hope is because we've gotten to the point now as we've talked about many times before where the abstract ideas have hit reality mm. and the american public is now going to feel the reality we feel the reality of inflation which is a reality of irresponsible immoral spending and putting it on the backs of future generations 
the selfish society that we have become Mm -hmm. and that our politicians have become Mm -hmm. uh, is now hitting the reality that there's a cost to everything. Nothing is free, including government money. And we have found that out over the last uh, few years. But everything that we talk about, I mean, when we talk about the insane ideas, you know, critical race theory, think about this, you know, in, in our schools today. And that's why I think Milton Friedman and his wife knew that just decentralization wasn't enough because decentralization did not did not uh, 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 convince the Loudon the Loudon school board to start teaching that whites are racist and if you're a biological man you can be a biological woman right that happened at a local level mm-hmm. so what do you need at that point you need school choice so you can have your child go to a school that isn't teaching racism and completely non-scientific concepts as science. Right. And and so that's why you need that choice. That's why it needs to be bigger. That's the first step is to get the federal government out of it because we have seen, there's the example yesterday. What are you talking about? You don't get federal funds if you have archery classes. Yeah. Are you out of your freaking mind? It's archery. Nope. Archery is bad. To liberals, archery is bad. Where that has become mainstream now, because I haven't seen one Democrat mm. upset about this at all. No, not one. No. And so, yeah. So there's a lot of things to be hopeful for. Now, the reason that I say hopeful for is because the American public is now going to feel the pain of it. Well, you know, of of the bad decisions that we have made based on the abstract concepts, sounded really good and fair and equitable and uh-huh. and and all about equality, and you found out that was a load, load of horse manure. Yeah, it's garbage. And, look, uh, it is about indoctrination, but you can't have indoctrination unless you can fully control uh, their activities and fully limit their, again, ability to learn skills and, and develop critical thinking. And that's exactly what what we're talking about. So you got to control the language, you got to control the thought, and then you control the behavior. But we've been talking about this for a long, long time, and it's renewed uh, consistently the effort to indoctrinate at an early age, and now with some very extreme things. They want to give children the right to, and, and, and not adults, again, children, the right to mutilate their own body. They want to teach sexualized content to children. I think on education, one of the most important things that Milton Friedman said, and they have it here in this article, as Milton Friedman's vision for decentralized choice-filled education comes closer into view, it's also worth remembering that Friedman put families first. He bristled at attempts to characterize parents, particularly low-income parents, as incapable of making the best education choices for their children. Quote, parents generally have both greater interest in their children's schooling and more intimate knowledge of their capacities and needs than anyone else, he wrote, in Free to Choose. Social reformers and educational reformers in particular often self-righteously take for granted that parents especially those who are poor and have little education themselves, have little interest in their children's education Mm. and no competence to choose for them. 
This is a gratuitous insult. Such parents have frequently had limited opportunity to choose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And also we can talk about the racism that goes on with that from the Democratic Party because we know a lot of the parents that they are talking about that they wish to take school choice from are minorities. And and this is all of it's so important to point to this because we talk about all the problems that are in place right now that are a choice as a society. We vote this way. And this is another one. We vote we vote and put into power people who limit parents' choices. The Obama administration was willing to go to legal war over this to make sure the parents did not have a choice of their child's education. Mm -hmm. They want to limit your choice, and we're giving them the power to do that. All of these things are a choice as a nation, as a society. We can fix it. You can absolutely fix it. All the problems that we face today are because of who we've put in elective office. Yep, it's all a the, choice. All the major problems that we face. I don't want to say all the problems because you may have problems that have nothing to do with the federal government. Mm. But all the problems Very that few. we... There's like three. The, 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 big, <laughs> the biggest challenges we face today mm-hmm. is because of who we have put into elective office yep. in the United yep. States. Yep, it's all choice. And we can make yep. different choices. The people we have put in to solve the problems have done the exact opposite. Yeah. And we have continued to put them in office. Yep. 86690 red eye. A break from hot weather in the central U.S.? We have seen much cooler conditions returning to the heartland, particularly the northern and even the upper portion of the central plains. And certainly much of the Midwest, much cooler. The northeast, almost autumnal air in place there at this time. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says the cooler weather brings a much-needed break for Midwestern-grown corn and soybeans. Yet, there still is lots of heat to talk about. With focus on the southwest and southern Great Plains. For Texas, we have had trouble with heat going all the way back to mid-June. So we're going on a month and a half plus of extreme heat. While Phoenix, Arizona, after a month of at or above 110 degree Fahrenheit temperatures, recorded a much cooler 108 degree high on Monday. The heat is going to return this week to the southwest. We'll be getting back into those 110 degree readings in the lower elevations of the desert southwest. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Friday Radio, he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Rising crime in uh, San Francisco stems directly from the movement to defund the police and the mayor's decision in 2020 to gut law enforcement's budget, said uh, the the 30-year police veteran and the San Francisco Police Union chief. Yeah, no doubt. What did they think was going to happen? By the way, this is part of what we've also stated, hmm. why we have hope 
again, the whole defund yeah. the police, right. remember? Right. Put social workers in there. Remember yeah. that idiotic, right. moronic right. thing, as we called it at the time? We even got calls saying, well, no, that might be a good idea, guys. No, it's a stupid idea. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, yeah, exactly. And so, as you said, what do you think was going to happen? San Francisco Police uh, Officers Association President Tracy McRae said, uh, criminals were just going to stop what they were doing? That they weren't going to go out and commit crimes anymore? The defund the police movement, along with taking away $120 million from the police department budget, a thousand percent played the role in why crime shut up, excuse me, shot up in San Francisco. Well, duh. Well, there's just another example right there. The delusional thought of the left, the abstract concept that, oh, policing is wrong. And it was the abstract concept. It was like Congress. People hate Congress but love their congressmen. Mm-hmm. And they found out, well, yeah, people don't trust the police in general. But they love their local police. Right. Everywhere. When the polls were taken, it was everywhere. People thought their local police department in their neighborhood was doing a good job. Right. Back then. Yep. So that was another abstract concept. Well, in the abstract, I don't think police are doing a good job. But in reality, at my house, they're doing great. So defund the police. Yeah, the bad ones that I see over there on TV and on the videos and all of that. Oh, no, no, that's that. In those towns, you need to take their money away. Yeah, I watched The Godfather. There were some crooked cops there. Keep <laughs> keep me safe. I'm fine. My cops are fine. My neighborhood's fine. And so it's it's another lesson learned by the public. And there's the thing is, all these lessons over the last couple of years, all of them, everything we're seeing. It's like it all came together, and better it happened this way in a five-year, six-year, seven-year period where everything goes to hell of all these abstract, delusional concepts that were never going to work in the first place. Should I say it? We told you so. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Oh, uh, gas prices jumped again yesterday, at least near me. Yeah. Gas prices in two and a half weeks now up over 60 cents for where I live. Ouch. So, going back up again. Oh, no. All right, so uh, here we go. You've got the Trump indictments. We've talked about them a lot today. Mm. Um, and when you look at them from the legal perspective, which is the only way to look at it, uh, there's nothing new here. And I, I don't see, I, you know, you and I looked for the best defense from the left for those charges and the best defense or the most, I I think, in-depth or detailed attempted defense came from Jamie Raskin. 
and we were able to tear that apart in 10 seconds. It just didn't yeah. apply. Right. Nothing applies to what he was talking about didn't apply to any charges against Trump. Right. And the charges and the indictments against Trump don't match what the law is. Yep. And so it just, uh, the the thing, uh, I guess my, m- the, the conclusion I came to, because this will work its way through the court, and I do believe that if it gets up through the court system that it will be, if he's found guilty, it will be overturned. Based yeah, on what the right. Supreme Court has already done mm-hmm. on on a number of things, and that's in this in that's in uh, this case with uh, uh, Jack Smith's uh, uh, indictment on January sixth. There's just nothing there. There's nothing that applies to the uh, the actual law for um, the uh, I almost said Devin Nunes, <laughs> the Devin Archer testimony it does seem you know against uh you know uh you know concerning joe biden and hunter biden it does seem like the decision and the talking points uh, is is out there to say that the real scumbag that hunter biden is a scumbag Mm. and everything that you saw that you know that biden was you know joe biden was grieving over his son's you know, Bo's death, and and uh, that's when Hunter approached him. So he wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. I love how they know. they don't, Nobody knows anything, but, man, I'm telling you, they know the absolute specifics of why Joe Biden in this particular case did what he did, and they knew what was in his mind and everything, which is yeah. pretty funny because no, they don't a, seem to know anything else. Right, yeah, it's... Uh... But that they... So I do think that the decision has been made to throw Hunter completely under the bus that everything was Hunter. And really, if you think about it, the whole child thing plays into it. Mm-hmm. His his his, uh, his child, uh, the sweetheart deal that didn't go through. And now I think it's almost time to just m- not maybe legally, but politically blame everything on Hunter. Because that's what it seems has come out the last 24 hours. Joe is completely, totally innocent and it was this, because uh, they're even moving on from drug addict. They'll throw a drug addict, but he took advantage of his father because of his grief for, uh, you know, Bo Biden's death. Yeah. yeah. And then you say, okay, well, then explain all the money flows. And the only, if, if there was, there's not a lot of strength in what the Democrats have, but if there is any strength temporary strength in what the democrats have it's simply they are trying to live in the bubble of today encapsulate you know devin archer's testimony is the only thing that exists against joe biden and there's nothing there so there's nothing Mm -hmm. against joe biden Mm -hmm. that hunter's laptop and all the evidence all the emails don't count that bobby linsky doesn't count that the irs and the fbi whistleblowers don't count and especially they're not really talking about the 20 LLCs, those are fake corporations that were set up so you could transfer money to nine or ten different Biden family members. That's never brought up. I have never heard any Democrat bring that up and try to defend that. Have you? No. I've never once. seen no. any of the liberal news shows bring that up because it's the totality of everything if you present it in a political trial or a criminal trial that would have its impact. Right. 
because you have so many things coming from every single angle on it. And some of the worst evidence that exists is in Hunter Biden's own words. Mm-hmm. And then matched by the electron, you match it to the electronic transfers and the creation of the all the different LLCs. What I want to know is who did all that work? Who put together the 20 LLCs? Somebody had to put it together. Well, it's if you look at it, who opened up the bank accounts? Politically, we can talk about sophistication. But in terms of all of these accounts and companies, it's very involved and sophisticated. Mm -hmm. So there were a number of people that were involved in this whole thing. I refuse to believe that Hunter himself put all this together. He wasn't alone in this. It reeks of uh, the most, the greatest sophistication that you would find when you have, well, unlimited resources. You've heard nothing about Joe Biden's brothers in all of this. From the Republicans, I mean, you've heard... Before, you've heard about it, mm-hmm. but now, like, over the last six months, I haven't heard anything about the Biden brothers. Right. Now, Comer came out again yesterday and said they have more, and these are even going to fill in more of, you know, of, of connecting the dots uh, uh, together. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If you want to compare, because people like doing the comparison thing. If you say, if you say Hunter Biden, they'll mm-hmm. say, well, uh, Trump. And if you say Trump, they'll go, Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say both. Trump yesterday on the tell me tell me what criminal act he actually committed specifically. Right. Couldn't do it. No. They couldn't the special counsel couldn't do it. Right. And Jonathan Turley pointed that out. He really didn't talk about the crimes. He talked he goes everybody thought that everybody thought that he was gonna go and say, Oh, okay, uh they've they've got Trump on attempting to incite a riot. And you would do that by, you know, the language that he made and then if there was a secret communication with some of the mm. with some of the people where he would, mm-hmm. you know, that you could connect the dots mm-hmm. and and these people actually existed and it was the proud boys out there and mm-hmm. Trump had talked to this person who talked to this person who no. talked to that person, mm-hmm. then you might be able to make that point or a conspiracy for insurrection but they didn't go with any of that. No. It's basically, well, because he said he said some things and they didn't even complete the sentence of what he said. And then this happened. Therefore, he's guilty. Well, that doesn't wash. And so if you look at yesterday for for Trump and then the day before of what Hunter Biden is facing, there is no evidence. There is there are no witnesses to any crime. There isn't even a specific crime that they can match to a certain behavior, which they have not done. Right. For Hunter and Joe Biden, it's very clear. There are multiple arrows coming in from different all directions that that stink. And they are from Hunter's laptop. They're from uh, uh, the people that he worked with. Mm-hmm. And by, the, by, the, by the way, they're from the emails the the uh, the a lot of the transactions we don't know what what encompasses everything in the actual laptop but you have the laptop 
There's thousands of pieces of evidence there. Uh, you have the people that worked with him. Uh, and you have the whistleblowers. And then the most damning thing, most likely, if something puts it over the top, would be the actual transactions that you have, the actual movement of the money, which they have a pretty good handle on if they know the 20 yeah. LLCs. Oh, yeah. And they have 170, over 170 to 200, maybe even more, SARS reports, suspicious activity reports, that banks file because they suspect there may be money laundering or some other illegal activity going on in those accounts. Right. And they report them to the Treasury Department because they don't want to be accused of being involved in that at all. Yeah. That's the problem. If you want to compare the two, that's a problem with Trump yesterday and then what we got this Trump this week uh, on these charges and then what you have from um, yeah. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Right. Since we like to make the comparisons, those I think are pretty accurate comparisons yeah. as to what we have. Yeah, definitely. And we even said with Jamie Raskin, as we tore apart last hour, we said, well, you're saying these things, you're saying that these things happened, but you're not saying Trump did them. You're just saying since these things happened, Trump must be guilty. Mr. Raskin, do you have any idea how the law enforcement, how law enforcement or the law works in this country? Right. Well, it's uh, honestly, it's it's like, uh, well, somebody in his own political party did something. And so we're going to indict him because, you know. Uh, they, they they all encourage the same behavior. Yeah, exactly. It's, it doesn't doesn't work that way, right? And so that was uh, that shocked me the most that there was nothing. I think it shocked the legal community in general. Well, because, because I fully the, expected when when the word came out mid to late afternoon that the special prosecutor was going to speak. It's like okay. Then I expect a you know. We, an actual bombshell that they found something that it, it, it can't be just the January 6th stuff, but it was like Liz Cheney was up there. It was baseless and pointed to, man, we don't like Trump and he ought to be against the law. <laughs> That's exactly what it, I, I like. That. That's what that's what it felt like. <laughs> you spoke the name, therefore. Well, you're guilty. no, I mean, if, if you know, he said the word murder and murders against the law. So he's going to jail and murders happen. Murders happen. People die. He said the word murder. There are people in his party that committed murder. Yep. I mean, it, it was I mean, that's the. Uh, well, that's what Jamie Raskin was attempting. That was well, no, that's that's what he was attempting to do well, but, yesterday in his in his in his yeah. accusations against Trump. But but that's what the indictment feels like. The spirit of the indictment yes. is like. Well, he said the word murder, and people have been murdered, so we're going to charge him with murder. It, Did he do the murder? Nope. But he said the word murder. And so when I got over the initial shock, and I said, "Well, there's." What's what crime are they saying? Well, this is what the crime is. They say he committed specifically. What is his specific behavior that matches this? And he couldn't. He never tried to do that. And everybody no. noticed. Right. Everybody knows he's not really making a case here. There's nothing new. OK, there's no conspiracy. There's no insurrection. He's right. not doing right. that. Right. Well, what's he charging him for? Political speech. That's it. 
That's it. Was he involved in any force force of trying to obstruct Congress on, you know, uh, you know, during the, uh, w- you know, when when uh, he said, look, my legal advice is to the vice president. He can do this. That's right. what. And we know that his one lawyer told him it. Mm-hmm. This is what you do, can do. So he told him, this is what my lawyers tell me you can do. Go do it. And Trump right. and and uh, Pence said no. Right. That's not obstruction of Congress. And, and by any means, that's not, not obstruction. Even, not, not even close. Not close to not it. Not even and, close. And it's just, and, and it's just, it's so, it's so legally bad. That's why I've said over and over again tonight. It's almost as if they were announcing to the world, "We know that you, everyone knows this is bull blank. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it is. We are showing you as a country that we're corrupt. We will indict anyone. Deal with it." dare to disagree with us and we'll indict you on nothing yeah we're corrupt we'll go after or do whatever the hell we please and it won't be based on law right 866-90-RED-EYE lines open for your calls 866-90-RED-EYE on red eye radio It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just reading here, just going through some of the tweets from uh, Jonathan Turley. Prior polls showed that roughly half the public thought that the charges against Trump were politically motivated. This indictment will only magnify that view. Indeed, the special counsel, when speaking, sounded more like a pundit than a prosecutor in announcing this indictment. Yeah, wow. He really did. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just because you didn't get what you normally get from a prosecutor this is the particular action, and that's why it fits the crime. Right. Here's, here's the, the law, law that clearly, clearly stated yep. that was broken, and here's the clear demonstration of this person breaking this law. You didn't get that. Not even close. Amazing. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.